It's the Concrete Radio Podcast, entertained, educated, and informed. Welcome to episode 12 on a Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, OG Eastwood. Celebrating the last week of Black History Month, I'll discuss a shocking revelation made by Malcolm X's family regarding his assassination 56 years ago. And Donald Trump, aka the Teflon Don, has been ordered to release his tax information. We'll talk about the possible legal trouble he faced. Sean Carter, Jiggerman, Jay-Z, whatever you want to call him, and just don't call him broke, is making headlines with his recent transactions. We'll discuss his most recent deal and how big it is for this culture. And finally, we can all shmoney dance together. The GS9 rapper Bobby Schmurder has officially been released from prison. We'll discuss what's coming up next in his role in this hip-hop industry right here on the Concrete Radio Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. Once again, welcome to episode 12 of the Concrete Radio Podcast. I'm your host, OG Eastwood. Thank you for tuning in. First things first, I definitely want to kick off the show by giving my quick little birthday shout out. Shout out to Dez from Valley Stream, Long Island. He wanted to wish his wife of five years a very special happy birthday. Her name is Crystal. So happy birthday to you, Crystal. And I hope you enjoy your day. Your husband, Des, is very thankful for you. In return, I just want to show my gratitude to everyone that has been rocking with me since day one. Now, I'm really thankful for a lot of things. Not only that I was thankful for waking up this morning, but the one thing that I'm more thankful for is the fact that I'm able to speak on a weekly basis to a lot of my listeners. When I get on this mic, I don't just get on the mic just to talk and ramble. You know, I have a purpose when I crack this mic. It's the reason why my tagline is entertain, educate, and inform. I want my listeners to get a chance to be entertained by me for one of course right I like making you guys laugh and I like making you guys come back every week and most importantly I like the fact that this content has been shared with your friends and your families and your loved ones and uh, co-workers and everything so I'm really thankful for that and I appreciate the participation on that end when I say educate another important thing for me is educating people with things that they normally don't come across on a daily basis. Mainstream media has a way of showing things they want you to see, but they don't want the masses to be 100% woke as to what's going on in the background. So part of my job is to bring you that information and educate you on a lot of things that you probably won't know about because mainstream media refuses to shed a light on it. Most importantly, the last thing is to inform, of course, and again, this ties into the previous portion of mainstream media not releasing certain information that they want you to know, right? So again, part of the reason why I do what I do is to let my listeners be informed 
of some of the things that mainstream media refuses to release the information because there's a problem with that. There's a lot of information out there that a lot of people don't know and whatever they do know about something, oftentimes it's always distorted and it's incorrect or just incomplete information. So I'm making my business when I crack this mic, I have something to say that's purposeful and then you can confidently spread that information to your friends and your families, your loved ones, your coworkers, your neighbors, <laughs> and everyone else. You know, having small talk at the cooler, let them know about Concrete Radio. I really want to take this time out to thank everyone for their participation in helping this grow. We've grown exponentially from day one, and the subscribers are building up, the listeners are building up, and obviously it's being shared, but I just want that to continue to go on. I really appreciate it. Now, if you're new and you're tuning into the show, welcome. I just, you know, pretty much ran through what my purpose is here. I just want you to walk away from the show learning something and understanding that there's important content coming from everywhere. There's content that a lot of mainstream uh, media outlets would not release to the public that I take the time to research and I bring it here for you, for your consumption and for your knowledge. So once again, I appreciate everyone for tuning in and being consistent with that. Now, another thing that I'm really thankful for, and I know a lot of people are thankful for this as well, is the fact that a lot of things right now is starting to open up within the tri-state area, New York City specifically. I'll talk about this later on in the show as well. So Madison Square Garden, also known as MSG, will be opening tonight as the Knicks face the Golden State Warriors. They will be at 10% capacity, so that's about 2,000 fans or what have you, but you know what? I'll take it. And also, taking it across town to the Brooklyn Boys, the borough where I'm from, the Brooklyn Nets will also be playing live today at the Barclays Center, and there will be fans in attendance as well. As a matter of fact, downtown Brooklyn, the Atlantic Avenue area has been congested today with that traffic they too will be at 10 percent capacity i guess that brings them about 1500 or something like that in the crowd uh barclays is slightly smaller than msg but either way it's starting to open up i like it i went out the other day to a restaurant i didn't feel weird i felt comfortable so i'm very happy to report that things are slowly going back to normal now friends family everyone that's listening because my listeners i consider you guys family this doesn't mean that it's time to put away the masks though keep them with you because you never know what's going to happen all right so very happy to see that things are starting to open up slowly but surely and i hope things are opening up in your cities as well i know atlanta and uh, florida they've been moving along pretty well but to my people out in california out in the west coast you know the bay area la area let me know how you looking man shoot me an email staff at the concrete radio podcast.com let me know how things are looking in, in your area as far as reopening uh, i know that's something that we're very happy to see now covid shmovid right <laughs> they thought we was gonna be locked down forever but still like i said man make sure you keep those masks with you uh if you're able to 
you know what? You might think about even getting vaccinated. That's going to definitely help stop the spread. There's a lot for us to talk about, so make sure you stick around. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. I have some information on Donald Trump. He may be facing some legal trouble soon, so we're going to talk about that. And also, stick around for the end of the program, because Malcolm X's family revealed some very important information about Malcolm X's assassination. So you definitely want to stick around for that. It's the Concrete Rated Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. I also want to give a quick shout out to my folks out in Texas. I know you guys have been going through it, struggling. That cold weather from a few weeks back uh, really set a lot of things back for Texas as far as the power and things like that. I know some of you guys are getting restored with the power, so uh, hopefully you guys are maintaining and holding your head. I spoke to my brother. He lives in Dallas, and uh, he said he's gotten power. A lot of people are still facing difficulties, so hopefully you guys are getting by. And uh, if you're able to listen to the show somehow, just know, man, I'm rooting for y'all. It's a bad thing, too, because I'm hearing out in Texas, their power supplier, Gritty, has been hitting customers with very high phone bills. This one HR director has been hit with a $2,700 electric bill. Another person got a $7,000 electrical bill. But if you think that's crazy, check this out. An army vet has been hit with a $16,750 electric bill. Now, Gritty's response to this was their prices fluctuate with the wholesale energy market. So they kept it real with the customers. It was like, listen, man, if you can find a better price than we can give you right now, I encourage you to go ahead and switch. Otherwise, you're going to have to cough up that B-Red. They've been hit with these substantial light bills and everything like that. Now, with the economy that we're in, a lot of people still not working. I know places are opening up. People aren't working like that. I'm going to tell you, if you send me a bill for $16,000, or whatever, mm, you're going to have a hard time finding me because... It, I'm going to just start burning candles all day because there's no way in hell I'm paying $16,700 in a phone bill. I might as well buy a used car. That's just is what it is. But the mayor of Houston is really rooting for the state and he feels that the entire state of Texas should be responsible in uh, covering that bill, footing that bill for the residents, which, you know what, in a situation like this, I think it's fair. Personally, maybe the government should probably look in possibly bailing out Texas or uh, maybe some parts of Texas or just figuring out a plan to help out the people that are hit with these substantial bills. I'm pretty sure there's a way for them to forgive that, that high amount, but there's no way that you can justifiably charge someone $16,000, especially if they're an army veteran that fought for the country. At the end of the day, if this is an army vet or whoever it is, they don't even have to be a vet. Just do the right thing, you know, because there, there's no way that you can justify charging someone $16,000 for electrical bill and they ain't even have power in like a week and a half. How do you even make that determination? 
I really hope things work out for my people out in Texas. Please hold your head. And if you're able to hear me somehow, I'm rooting for you, all right? So don't forget, I'm here. It's a Concrete Radio Podcast, entertain, educate, and inform. We have a lot going on today, so make sure you stick around to the end of the program. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast, entertain, educate, and inform. Be sure to check us out on the website, theconcreteradiopodcast.com. And also feel free to shoot me an email, staff at theconcreteradiopodcast.com. Now, I remember when I was, you know, coming up, I was like in high school, something like that. There was a television show called... America's Dumbest Criminals. And within the show, they had criminals that did a lot of stupid things. You know, they would rob a bank and then turn around and leave incriminating evidence. Or they'll kidnap somebody, end up taking them to the house, two houses away from where they kidnapped them from. Or he steals a car and he forgets like a shoe in his wallet with his, his driver's license in it or something like that. Something crazy. I don't know if they still make that show, but there's a story that I came across earlier today. As a matter of fact, it was actually sent over to me. This dude, a New York man, he was actually caught in Florida, in Fort Lauderdale, for the broad daylight heist that he pulled off at the Chanel store out in Soho. The guy's name is Eric Spencer. He was arrested in Florida, Fort Lauderdale, as mentioned, for robbery. Now, Spencer and three others are accused of stealing $190,000 worth of merchandise from the Soho store on uh, February 2nd. The crazy thing about it is he went into the store and he was about to do his thing. He had his little three goons with him and the security guard knew something was up. So he approached him and he was like, yo, you know, Spencer told the security guard, he was like, yo, what you going to do? You going to shoot me? And, you know, he did what Doughboy did in Boys in the Hood, raised his shirt to show him his, his gun and his waistband. Eric Spencer told his homeboys, his goonies that was with him, he was like, yo, go ahead, take everything. So they stole everything and they ran out. Here's the crazy thing about it. Just a couple days after that heist took place, he started posting on social media, just like what everybody does. Because social media is king nowadays. Talking about he snatched so much double C he can open up a small boutique. That actually sounds like a hip-hop line. He, he may have stole that from a rapper or something like that. But he's talking about how he got all the Chanel stuff that he can open up a boutique and do all this. He's talking about all this online. Then, of course, you know, somehow the feds tracked them down. They snatched them up. And he had a court appearance in Florida and uh, he has not yet been extradited to New York, but they're just they're waiting for him to get back here so that way they can throw these charges at him. What's so interesting about this is a lot of these cases, a lot of these robberies in these high-end stores has been really frequent and it's been happening a lot in the New York area and it's been going down since September. Uh, what would happen is that these masked individuals are running these stores and I'm not talking about these COVID masks. I'm talking about Ski masks, face wrapped up with hoodies and, and all that crazy. The whole nine. These guys run into these stores and they snatching purses, bags and everything that they can get their hands on. Running out the store and then fleeing in a car that's rented with a fake ID and bogus license plates. A lot of these guys, they've been getting off scot-free. Apparently, Eric Spencer and his goonies were part of this whole string of robberies that's been going on. They said that the dude, Eric Spencer, 
is a uh, career criminal anyway. He had a whole bunch of like 33 arrests or something like that on his record. I think they said like up to 16 of them, which is practically half was for serious crimes. So it was looking in to see whether or not if he was part of that string of robberies, uh, sticking up these high-end stores and getting away with it. Now, what's so crazy about this is that people don't think that these law enforcement agencies go online, on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, all these places and look at profiles. Let's be serious. I get it. The whole thing of people wanting to be tough and show off they gangster or whatever, or, or just show off or show out for the world, they put a lot of these things online. But if you're doing criminal activity, uh, you might not want to put that online. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not a criminal, nothing like that. But I mean, I mean, you know, that's how a lot of these people are getting jammed up. And we spoke about this a few episodes ago with some of these rappers online shooting these videos these hood videos with all these guns in it and they're getting jammed up as a matter of fact that's what little tj got jammed up for a few weeks ago so you know just move smarter that's all i'm saying i'm not knocking your hustle everybody got their own way of coming up or what have you but just move a little smarter than that could you just not put your criminal activities on Instagram and on Twitter and don't tweet about you robbing a bank and now you got stacks and you got, you know, holding stacks, $100 bills to your face like a telephone? Don't let's not do that again. Not knocking your hustle, but I'm just saying, you know, as a smart individual, I would never want none of my listeners to get caught up in any nonsense like that. So let's just not do criminal activity at all. How about that? Whenever he gets extradited, we'll see what the charges are going to be. He's definitely facing big numbers, though, because he got away with $190,000 worth of merchandise. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you, you're going to face a little time for that, brother. So if any new developments come across from that story, I'll definitely share it with you. Taking it to the pop culture world, shouts to that man, Jay-Z, Sean Carter, Jay-Z has been making moves since the beginning of his first record deal with Rockefeller Records back in 96. Jay-Z obviously has never let up. The business partnership between him and Dame Dash didn't work out, so they both went separate ways. But Jay just kept going and going and going. So with the Rock Nation venture and things like that, you know, things started opening up. Now, one of the things that Jay-Z got into just recently... Obviously, you know, they tapped into the alcohol business when he was running with Dame Dash by pursuing a brand called Armadale. It was a brand of vodka. So around the time Armadale and Grey Goose took off and they were kind of like neck and neck as far as promotion or what have you. Because anything that Jay-Z and Damon Dash touched back then was literally gold. So Armadale was popping off, but then... As you can see, um, Grey Goose sort of won that race. I haven't really heard much about Armadale anymore, but Grey Goose is all over the place. But Hove moved on to big adventures, and uh, he got into the champagne business. Ace of Spades, you know those gold bottles with the spade on it? Uh, Jay-Z ended up purchasing that brand, and he became a full owner of the brand. But just recently, he sold 50% of his stake of Ace of Spades to LVMH. Now, what LVMH is, you probably might not know it by the abbreviation, but LVMH is a huge brand, which is pretty much Louis Vuitton, 
Moet Hennessy. I bet you know those names, right? <laughs> so uh, LVMH is literally the largest liquor brand when it comes to alcohol, period. There's nothing bigger than LVMH. So when I say that Jay struck a deal and struck gold with this, he did. Now, LVMH, as you see, is a fashion house mixed with a alcohol brand. Now, just to keep it short and to the point, we all know who Louis Vuitton is. They partnered up with Moet Hennessy back, I believe, in 95 or 94, something like that, to create this major brand. So they have a liquor division, which is the Moet Hennessy, and then they have the fashion division, which is Louis Vuitton, and these other brands that are subsidiaries under Louis Vuitton. But anyway, Jay-Z ended up selling 50% stake to LVMH of this Ace of Spade brand. Now, this is a huge deal because the brand alone sold over 500,000 bottles back in 2019. This is pre-COVID era. Imagine how much they sold. The financials were not released from last year. Last year was the COVID era. So people was drinking a lot <laughs> during the COVID era. The only thing is, this particular brand, Ace of Spade, is not cheap champagne at all. These bottles run anywhere from $350 to $6,500 per bottle. If you're selling 50% of that type of steak and you're moving 500,000 bottles... That's crazy money. So they did not release how much the transaction was worth for Jay-Z, but you can only speculate. There was a song that Meek Mill released about a year ago called What's Free. Rick Ross was on it and Jay-Z was on it. Jay-Z had a verse and within his verse, he had a line that says, Ace of Spade is worth half a B, meaning half a billion. If he's saying that in a literal sense, if Ace of Spade was worth half a billion dollars, a 50% stake on that value for the transaction would be $250 million. Keep in mind, Jay-Z is also the first hip-hop billionaire. So now with this transaction, we don't know how much the money was, but obviously it put Jay-Z at a great space to you know, pivot and do other things in the business world. And now this merger between Jay-Z and um, his brand with LVMH is huge for the culture because we already saw what he did with Cristal. Now, Cristal is another champagne that was competitive. This was before the Ace of Spades thing popped off. Jay-Z actually spoke out against Cristal because the guy that owned Cristal, he had his little, I guess you can say bigotry. I don't want to call him racist, but I'll, let's just say bigotry. He had an interview a few years back and they asked him what was his thoughts on these hip hop artists co-signing Cristal as a champagne brand. And he pulled one of, well, uh, well, you know, uh, well, it's not really meant for them, but if they want to drink it, they can drink it. Obviously, that didn't really sit well to a lot of rappers, Jay-Z specifically. So he started publicly banning Cristal. And uh, as you know, Jay was a huge supporter of Cristal prior to this. So he started banning Cristal. A lot of people stopped drinking it. And Jay started talking his ace of spade. You don't see anybody really talking about Cristal or drinking it. 
I've been to a few industry events in my life. Only once I've seen a bottle of Cristal anywhere. Otherwise, it's just strictly Ace of Spades or Dom Perignon. That's usually what they drink. And by the way, LVMH owns Dom Perignon as well. Jay-Z really struck it big with this deal. I wish him much success. I know he don't need that from me, but he is going to keep doing his thing. And uh, that's really dope. And to keep it on hold real quick, he actually invested in a app called Perch. The dope thing about this app is that it's a free app for iOS. And what it does is that it reports your rent payments to the credit bureau. So obviously with this whole process, it makes it a lot easier for people who are on top of rent payments to build a much better credit history. At this point, only TransUnion and Equifax works with this app. Experian will be following in July. At some point, we're looking at towards the end of the summertime, we'll have all three major credit bureaus involved with this app specifically. There's other apps that allow you to link rent payments to uh, your credit report. However, those apps are usually costly and a lot of them require your landlord to be involved. Perch doesn't do this. Perch is free. And uh, once you download the app, you know, you can set up your bank account information to it and it will allow you to report your on-time rent payments to TransUnion and Equifax. And now what makes this app even doper, right? Because now a lot of young folks, they don't pay rent because, you know, most of them don't have the money to pay rent. And what I mean about the young folks, I'm talking about the young teenagers, the ones that are starting college or the ones that's just now graduating. What you can do is you can also add recurrent subscription services like Hulu, Netflix, Spotify, and all these other companies to Perch. And uh, you can build the credit history that way as well. These are things that Jay-Z is doing to give back to the community that he's from, which I think is really good. I think younger folks, whether it's teenagers or young adults that starting to build a decent or a good line of credit at such a young age is great. Because you got to remember, another thing that impacts your credit score is the length of time that you have said credit. Right. So someone that has that's just now opening a credit that's ha- that has a new line of credit, maybe two years old, their credit history will not be as lucrative as someone that has a 20 year history of building credit. So it's always good to start at a younger age. I know a lot of people try to stay away from credit cards when they're young. But believe it or not, if you're smart on the way you do it. It can probably work out good for you in the long run. But again, key word here is being smart when you use it. I just don't jack it up and max it out within the first month. And now you're looking crazy to lenders. So stick around. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. I have uh, that information on Donald Trump. He has been forced by the Supreme Court to release his financial information to the Manhattan DA. So we're going to talk about what's that going to mean for Donald Trump in the upcoming future. And also, Malcolm X's family released some information that we all going to find very interesting. And I'm not going to say that I've been surprised about this, but you're going to have to stick around to find out what it is. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast, entertain, educate, and inform. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast, entertain, educate, and inform. And that's right, I'm doing my shmoney dance in the background. 
<laughs> Shouts to Bobby Schmurda. He has officially been released from prison this morning at around 8.30 a.m. after serving seven years for conspiracy and gun charges. It was a report that was released earlier stating that Quavo from the Migos was specifically coming to get Schmurda out of prison. But I guess when he saw the time that he was going to be released at 8.30 a.m., he probably was like, nah, I ain't going to be able to make that. You know, us black folks sometimes, we have a tendency of being fashionably late to places. Not all of us, just some of us. I'm just saying, when Quavo saw that time, he probably was like, nah, it's, <laughs> there's no way I'm going to be able to get there. But um, I saw the photos and everything already Schmurder came off his plane. He was greeted by, you know, a few people. And uh, he just looks to be in good spirit, man. Um, That's really good to see. Obviously, the Brooklyn rap scene has changed a lot since he was locked down. Uh, we now have this thing called Brooklyn Drill, which I would say that Schmurder was the originator of when it came to making the, the the drill music sound pop off in Brooklyn. Now, I say that because his first single, which ended up selling $5 million, and that's where the shmoney dance came from, that was the first sound of uh, what Brooklyn drill music would sound like. As time has progressed, things changed a bit, and uh, the Brooklyn drill mo movement took on more of the Chicago drill movement sound and and. It now has that universal appeal to it, which I'm not even going. I'm, I'm not going to hold you. I'm a huge fan of the drill music, whether it's uh, Brooklyn drill, Chicago drill. I've been a fan of Chicago drill since it came out, and uh, even UK got their own drill music going on. But either way, Bobby Schmurder is free. I've seen something with him talking about, you know, he wants to get away from Brooklyn because uh, there's nothing. <laughs> positive here for him in his opinion so he wanted to move away from brooklyn and get to a quieter space so that way he can get back to making his music and everything like that the reason why i mentioned quavo is because quavo specifically the migos specifically was working with bobby schmurder before he got locked up and they were actually working on a project a joint project called the schmigo gang obviously that didn't happen because of um, Bobby Schmurder's lockdown. So his Epic record deal was around $2 million. His bill was set for $2 million. Epic didn't want to pay the bill. They just pretty much kind of left him out to dry. His family had to uh, get together. They offered collateral. And by the time they took it to the judge, the judge ended up denying the whole bill process. That became like a smack to the face. And they had to start from day one. Schmurda got into a little bit of trouble while he was locked down and they extended his sentence due to allegedly having a weapon in jail. We fast forward to February 23rd, 2021 and your man Bobby Schmurda is free. So I'm really interested to see what's going to happen next as far as where he's going to take the music. What label is he going to sound with? Is he still with Epic? Did Epic drop him? You know, what's the situation is with his record deal? What is the direction with his music? Now, he's going to be on parole, I think, until 2026. So that's like five years from now. The way a lot of these Brooklyn drill rappers are shooting their videos, they have uh, a million guns in their videos. And now, granted, they're props. 
quote unquote. This is something that Schmurda can't do. So I'm just curious to see how he's going to adjust to keeping his style and the music relevant to what the Brooklyn drill sound is consistent with and what he did prior to being locked down. So it's 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 going to be an interesting take. So I'm pretty sure Schmurda is going to work on it. I'm going to root for that man, man. I'm rooting for him. He's literally in his prime. He's like 25 or 26 or something like that. So he's got plenty of time right now to get on his grind and do his thing. So I hope nothing but the best for Bobby Schmurda. So shouts to him and the whole GS9 crew. I look forward to seeing big things from him. Speaking of music, your man Meek Mill just got into some more controversy. And now this controversy is behind a lyric that he had in a leaked song featuring Lil Baby. And the name of the song is called Don't Worry. Meek is facing a lot of backlash on social media about this. And um, I've seen a couple of people tweet about this. Kenny Smith from the NBA Inside Guys, you know, that show with Ernie Johnson, Shaq, and Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith was like, oh, cut him some slack. Let's not crucify him for the line that he said. Now, just in case you don't know exactly what's going on, what was said, Meek Mill released a lyric in that song, Don't Worry, featuring Lil Baby, in reference to Kobe Bryant. The late, great Kobe Bryant, by the way. It took for Kobe Bryant's wife, Vanessa Bryant, to get online to let him know, like, yo, that was really disrespectful for what you said. This is what Meek Mill said in his rhyme. And I'm going to keep this as clean as possible because it was a little dirty, so I'm cleaning it up. So he goes, chick I'm effing always tell me that she loved me, but she ain't never showed me. And if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper. It'll be another Kobe. First of all, the line itself doesn't really even make sense. And if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper. It'll be another Kobe. In case if you're not familiar with the whole hip-hop slang and the culture, this is what all this means. Meek is pretty much saying that if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper. Lacking is a Chicago term. That started in Chicago. What lacking mean is that you don't have a gun on you. And an enemy pulls up and he catches you and he shoots you or y'all end up fighting or whatever the case is. If you end up losing that battle, whether you got shot, you got stabbed, or you got beat up, or, or whatever, or even if you ran away and you got away, right? The fact that you didn't have a weapon on you, you was caught lacking. He's saying, if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper. Now, a chopper is slang for a AK, an AR-15, any type of assault rifle. It's typically meant for AKs, really, but... It can be used for any type of assault rifles. So my whole thing is you wouldn't really be lacking because you have your chopper. You're not really lacking. You know, so you can tell he didn't really put too much thought into the line. He just wanted to reference chopper and Kobe Bryant together, which I would call lazy bars. It makes absolutely no sense. So not only that, it was disrespectful because he mentioned chopper and Kobe Bryant in the line which we all know that Kobe died in a helicopter crash with his beautiful daughter and uh, a few others as well. 
There's a lot of damage control that needs to be done in this case. I think Meek really crossed the line in this situation. And uh, everybody online was blasting Meek about this. I'm going to get into why this is disrespectful. You don't really associate, nor would you bring up dead people in your lines. You know, that's been a great, like, Kobe. This is something that's normally not done. It's the equivalent of saying, oh, I left you slumped in your suburban like Biggie. Like, what? That's very tasteless. Like, come on. Biggie died in the suburban, his Chevy suburban. You know what I mean? So, like, these are things that people normally won't do in the hip-hop industry, but Meek decided that he wanted to cross the line and be controversial. But in this case, it clearly blew up and went left. As I mentioned before, the song was leaked, so I don't know if it was a song that was actually going to come out. He probably would have changed the line or the verse anyway. And now, let's be clear, I'm not saying that we need to cancel Meek for all of this because, you know, just last week I was talking about all the stupidness he's been doing. His little um, running that he had with Takashi the other day. So I'm not saying that we need to cancel Meek. But I'm just saying like a situation like this was done in poor judgment. I would say just not release the song, just scrap the song altogether. Or if you are going to end up releasing the song, you need to change your verse. This is Concrete Radio Podcast. Stick around. We have a lot to talk about. The New York Knicks and the New York Nets. We will be in attendance today, baby. And I'm not talking about physically, but I'm just saying fans will now be able to get a chance to witness the games firsthand we'll talk about that in just a minute it's the concrete radio podcast entertain educate and inform yes so the time we've been waiting for sporting events and arenas has slowly been opening now in our case right here in the tri-state area the new york knicks and brooklyn nets will be able to finally play games with fans in the arena. Now, they are at 10% capacity. So for MSG, what this means is that they're going to keep their attendance to about 2,000 people in the stands. And uh, they're making things as less interactive. And what I mean by that is that a lot of things, uh, when you go to the arena, will be contactless. So, which is good, because now this is where The future of things are going now. So that's pretty dope. The same thing with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, They take on the Sacramento Kings tonight. And by the way, the Nets are fresh off of a six-game winning streak. KD is out. They have a couple of injured players. However, Kyrie and James Harden, they're working well together. They're doing their thing. And uh, they're making a lot of noise over here in Brooklyn, man. So that's a really, really good look. And uh, shouts to Knicks as well. They'll be playing the Golden State Warriors. And I'm really looking forward to it. I believe in March at some point, movie theaters in our era will be opening up as well. So once again, I'm curious to see what's happening in your part of town. Shoot me an email, staff at theconcreteradiopodcast.com. If you'd like for me to give your friends, your loved ones, or yourself a happy birthday shout out, feel free to do so. Shoot me an email, staff at theconcreteradiopodcast.com, or you can find me on Instagram, OG underscore Eastwood. That's Eastwood with a Z. And uh, request me, add me, shoot me a DM, and I'm gonna hold you down. Now, as I was talking about earlier, Donald Trump has been 
forced by the Supreme Court to hand over his financials. We know this from day one when Trump was running against Hillary. One thing that he was really tight-lipped on and one thing that he didn't want to release was his financials. The Supreme Court was like, nah, bump that. You're going to have to release this information. Go ahead and get it over to the Manhattan DA. This gives them an opportunity to investigate Trump fully to see his business practices and uh, to see if he broke any laws or anything like that. Now, they can also determine whether or not if Trump lied to IRS or lenders before or after he became president. So obviously, you know, that's going to be a big thing. If he reported being broke to the IRS, but he told the lenders that he got the money, then they can easily build a fraud case behind that. What they're trying to do is they're trying to see whether or not if he was able to take advantage to get favorable loans and lower property taxes and things like that. Now, I feel like just recently I've seen something with Sammy the Bull Gravano. I feel like he was talking about his previous business deals with Trump back in the days. Now, Sammy made it clear that Trump was not part of the mafia. And I want to reiterate that as well. Trump was not part of the mafia and he did not pull deals, so to speak, directly with the mafia. But he worked with the unions that was mob control on certain infrastructure and buildings and things like that. And I feel like Sammy the Bull was saying something along the line. And I don't want to misquote the man, but I feel like he, he said something along the line that Trump was doing some illegal business as far as obtaining favorable loans and things like that. What this means for Trump is that if he's caught in this case with defrauding the government about not having the money or what have you, now we might, we might see some justice towards Trump. Now, we don't know. We all know he's a Teflon Don. His money is as long as ever. So he has the money to make things disappear. But um, I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in this case. The DA's office, they didn't really reveal much information about what's happening, but they will go ahead and investigate. As soon as that information is released to the public, of course, I'm going to give you guys everything I know about it. To those of you that are listening on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I really appreciate the love. Please make sure that you subscribe and share. And also, if you don't have access to those mediums, you can always catch the show on the concreteradiopodcast.com. Feel free to follow me there. You can also share the show on that platform as well. I right, stick around. I do have the Malcolm X story that's coming up next right here on the Concrete Radio Podcast. Alright, so just recently... This past weekend, I believe it was on Saturday, Malcolm X's family released information regarding a letter that was written by a former NYPD undercover officer that alleged that the NYPD and the FBI colluded the assassination of Malcolm X. This information was revealed via a letter that uh, Malcolm X's family had obtained they release it to the public. Now, Malcolm X, in case you don't know, he was a spokesperson for the Nation of Islam. 
And uh, he later separated himself from the group after serving more than 10 years with the group. On February 21st, 1965, Malcolm X was killed in the Audubon Ballroom while preparing to do a speech. When he was separated from the nation, he faced a lot of death threats. In fact, Louis Farrakhan and Malcolm X never got along. Louis Farrakhan allegedly had put the word out that he wanted Malcolm X to be gone. He actually he actually made some statements in a newspaper article stating that Malcolm X is worthy of death for being a traitor because he felt that Malcolm X betrayed the nation due to the fact that he separated. So the history between Malcolm X and Louis Farrakhan was definitely not favorable. When Malcolm X was assassinated, Louis Farrakhan was talking about it in a positive manner. He felt that Malcolm X was not good for the nation the minute that he separated. But anyway, within that assassination, there were three members of the nation that were convicted of the shooting. And according to the family, the letter came from an undercover NYPD officer named Raymond Wood. And in the letter, Raymond Wood said that he was pressured by the NYPD supervisors to lure members of Malcolm X's security team into committing crimes. Those specific crimes that they ended up committing led to their arrest days before the assassination. And the arrests kept the men from managing the door security at the ballroom. So... Uh, Raymond Wood quoted that under the direction of my handlers, I was told to encourage leaders and members of the civil rights groups to commit felonious acts. Now, the Manhattan DA is currently investigating this matter. The NYPD said that they will cooperate in the investigation. However, the FBI did not want to comment on this case at all. There's a lot that's going on with this. Some of it doesn't really make sense to me. Some of it does. The part that doesn't make sense to me is they pressured this guy, Raymond Wood, to manipulate Malcolm X's bodyguards to do, you know, whatever felonious act that got them arrested to the point where they couldn't be a part of the security team at the front door at the Audubon Ballroom. Now, if that's the case and Malcolm X knew that he didn't have security working for him that day, then wouldn't you just invest in other security? Why wasn't the NYPD available? Now, I get it. I know Malcolm X probably wouldn't have want the NYPD to be a part of this security team that day, but think about it. Your main security guys that were supposed to be working the front door on that event wasn't there. It's crazy for the fact that they never thought to find or look for a backup. But anyway, that's that part, right? Now, the second part of it, the part that makes sense to me, which I get and I can see that's happening, we all know that the FBI has been the puppet master in a lot of assassinations. And this is known. The FBI has been a part of numerous assassinations. One of them, which is they just started shedding a light on this just recently with the Fred Hampton special that airing on HBO Max, right? There was a part of that. If you want to stick in the 60s, let's look at JFK. FBI was was a part of JFK's assassination. And now, the same way that the NYPD 
worked with the FBI with this Malcolm X assassination was the same way that the FBI worked with the mob on the JFK assassination. There's a lot of people that know about this. There's some people that don't. People think that, oh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, he's the man. He was the one that assassinated JFK. Let me tell you something. When it comes to the government, they have a way of making things appear differently than what really happened. You know, when you when you looking in the rearview mirror, it says objects in the mirror appear closer than what they really are. That's the FBI all the way. You know what I mean? Like they do a lot of things and not just the FBI, but the government in general. They do a lot of things and they have ways of just covering things up. J. Edgar Hoover was around back then. We all know the type of person he was. Scumbag to the fullest. He even tried throwing Martin Luther King under the bus. And that was the thing. Back then, you couldn't be a powerful person. You couldn't have any type of presence. You couldn't have any type of social support because the FBI will be on you. Malcolm X, they did the same thing. He was under FBI investigation. Martin Luther King, who was known as one of the most peaceful men in America, who said, turn the other cheek, even when they're beating the crap out of you and sicking dogs on you. He was labeled as the most dangerous man in America by J. Edgar Hoover. You know, the Black Panther Party started, and I'm not even going to get into that today. That's going to be a whole different show. Just so you know, the Black Panther Party is not this racist organization that the FBI and the government painted these guys to be. And just to give you some insight, the reason why a lot of our kids are eating breakfast in school is because of the Black Panther Party. This was a group that was started based off of self-defense and community empowerment because they didn't have the support of the local law enforcement. But once again, we will tap into the Black Panther Party on another show. Today, I just want to focus on Malcolm X and the government's involvement in which they teamed up with the NYPD and possibly the nation to take out Malcolm X. Now, that's all possible. It's all possible. As mentioned before, the government has a running history of working with teams and other organizations to obtain a common goal. And in this case, they took out Malcolm X 56 years ago in the Audubon Ballroom in Manhattan. Now, again, I'm not saying that the nation didn't have anything to do with the murder of Malcolm X. Maybe they have, maybe they didn't. I don't know. I don't even want to put the onus on them. But all I'm saying is that it's possible that these three organizations had something to do with Malcolm X not being around. Now, let me tell you how powerful Malcolm X was. Malcolm X, from the days that he came up, he's made an impact and he's been moving around. He made friends with a Red Fox, famous comedian behind the show Sanford and Son, which is actually my favorite sitcom ever. And uh, both Malcolm X and um, Red Fox ran the street together. 
<laughs> Red Fox was known as Chicago Red. Malcolm X was known as Detroit Red because they both had red hair or something like that back then. Just wanted to throw that in there. But anyway, Red Fox and Malcolm X were really good friends. And in addition with that, Malcolm X was really close friends with Harlem Kingpin, Bumpy Johnson. Bumpy Johnson was actually like a big brother to Malcolm X. During the time that Farrakhan and Malcolm X had their beef, Bumpy Johnson told Malcolm X, he's like, listen, I can get this guy to be gone if you want to. Just all you got to do is just say your word. And what did Malcolm X do? Malcolm X was like, nah, don't do it. Malcolm X's exact words to Bumpy Johnson was, he doesn't want black people to be killing each other. Just as what they would say in the mob world, Malcolm X gave Farrakhan a pass. And up to this day, Farrakhan is alive and breathing, which is great. Now, as time progressed, Farrakhan and Malcolm X their differences has intensified to a point where allegedly Farrakhan had something to do with one of the few attempts placed on Malcolm X's life. There was a bomb at one point that was thrown in Malcolm X's house that just so happened to land in Malcolm X's daughter's room. And uh, it was that bad. By the grace of God, you know, Malcolm X was able to dodge those attempts. His daughters ended up being okay. But however, on February 21st, 1965, unfortunately, Malcolm X had came to a demise. He was assassinated. Needless to say, prior to all this happening, he had distanced himself from Bumpy Johnson because of the moves that he started making on a political level. He just wanted everyone to be on the same page as far as fighting separation and things like that. And uh, interestingly enough, years later, his family released this information, uh, this letter from Raymond Wood, in which Mr. Wood claimed that the FBI and the NYPD actually teamed up and had something to do with this assassination, which, again, doesn't really surprise me. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't really surprise everyone else out there as well. It's the Concrete Radio Podcast. That's all I have for you guys for today. I appreciate the time. If this is your first time listening, I ask you if you could please subscribe. If you subscribe, you get a notification anytime a new episode is available. And uh, to my originals, once again, I appreciate your time tuning in. If you're unable to check me out on all or any streaming platforms, just please run to the website, theconcreteradiopodcast.com. You can subscribe there. You can share that website as well. And again, thank you for your time. I appreciate each and every one of you. Until next time, it's the Concrete Radio Podcast. Entertain, educate, and inform. I'm out.